0: oh dear welcome to the coffee and coding podcast where we discuss all things app development i'm your host rob j and in this episode i'm going to share some of my thoughts on what i think separates an okay developer from a great developer so we can find out what kind of developer are you now onto to the show so before we get into my thoughts on what separates an OK developer from my great developer, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's left a review for the podcast on the various podcasting platforms. And if you like the show and you haven't yet left a review, I would really, really appreciate it. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast and leave a review would be great. And if you really like the show and you want to donate, then you can do so at coffeeencodingpod.com slash coffee And it would take you over to buymeacoffee.com where you could buy me a coffee or multiple coffees, wherever you like, because caffeine is what fuels this podcast. Now, with that being said, we can jump straight into today's episode. So I asked the question, what do you think separates an okay developer from a great developer in almost every single one of my interviews? And everybody gives a different answer. And it is almost always never to do with technical expertise that separates the great from the okay. And so I was trying to think of what I could talk about in today's episode, solo episode, and I kind of wanted to comment on this question. And it's not a be all and end all of the question. I'm not really sure it's even my answer to this question, but it's definitely some of the things that I've been thinking about recently um, and some of the things that I've run into recently with various developers of of different seniority, let's say. And I figured it's some feedback that I could share with you and maybe it will help you to level up as a developer or or maybe these are things that you already, already do And it's kind of just confirmation that you are in fact a great developer. So as I mentioned before, it's almost never to do with technical expertise. So for the purpose of what I'm going to talk about, let's just say all things are equal. And in every scenario that I'm going to present an okay developer and a great developer, both have the exact same level of technical expertise. So one of the first things that I've run into recently, and I've been thinking about recently, and that I think separates a great developer from an okay developer is around pushing back on things that they don't agree with. And so I'll give you a few scenarios, but generally speaking, I'm going to talk about clients a lot because I am a contractor and a freelancer, so I work with a lot of clients. But if you are an employee listening to this episode, you can just replace client with manager or project manager or whoever it is that will be the person that is running the project that you're working on. And so an example of pushing back on things that an okay developer just doesn't do is a client says to you, and I've had this exact scenario, you know, I want to add Firebase Analytics, I want to add Mixpanel, and I want to add AppSlide to the app so that we can track Analytics. Okay, great. In my experience, an OK developer is going to say, yeah, it's all pretty straightforward, right? You just drop in the SDKs, you add the events that you want to add. It's not anything complicated. They'll say yes, they'll do it, and they'll and they'll submit the work and the ticket's done. Now, the problem with this is that oftentimes... Clients don't really know what it is that they want. They have a question that they need answered or they need some some sort of feature provided by something and they've gone on Google and they're like, I need analytics for my app. And they found a whole bunch of different ones and the client will be like, well, why don't we just add them all? And while an okay developer will do that, a good developer would ask why. Why do we want three different SDKs to do the same thing? What's the purpose? They would explain the downsides of having more than one SDK, the fact that you'd now have to maintain three analytics platforms, you have to make sure that the events match all across all three, which almost never happens because they all have their nuances of how they capture events and log events, etc. And you help the client come to an informed decision. And that doesn't mean that you're refusing to do it. It doesn't mean a no. It means that if you decide to go ahead, there is a why that the client has hopefully provided to you or has thought about as to why they want to do this and maybe you asking the question might make them realize oh having all these different things do the same thing is not better than one let's just pick one and run with that so you help them to make an informed decision and you take it from there now obviously there's going to be times where a clients just like i just want all free just give me all free and that's you know that's fine they're paying you to do that but a good developer would ask the question why and another example of pushing back would be and this is an exact this is a scenario that i've had recently where a client has said we want to remove the progress spinner from the app so you know you go to your edit profile page in your app and you you change a bunch of details and then you hit submit and you see a spinner which is obviously the api is now doing something and you don't want the client you don't want the user to do anything until this is finished so they just see a spinner they know something's happening and then when the update request is completed you know you close the spinner and you take them to wherever you're supposed to take them to so i had a client come and say they would like to remove this in a bunch of places in the app because it will make the app look like it's working faster, right? So imagine that you go to your edit profile page, you edit stuff, you press submit, you don't see a spinner at all. And and the key thing here was, this client specifically, was you weren't going to see anything happen. There wasn't going to be a spinner, you weren't going to proceed to the next stage, you'd just be waiting like you would normally be waiting, but there would be no spinner because they thought it would make things look faster. And in other parts of the app, to be fair, they also wanted to have optimistic updates. So... You know, you submit your profile, it gets t- you get taken back to whatever screen you're on, and the app has now assumed that the profile that you submitted was absolutely fine. And so they're going to show that information everywhere on the app. And hopefully the update didn't get rejected because you know the email address was invalid. And so an okay developer in this scenario is going to say, Yep, yeah, let's do it. I'll just remove the spinner in a bunch of different places. Whereas a good developer would explain to the client this is a bad idea because You know, now the user doesn't know anything's happening. Now we're doing optimistic updates. What happens if the update actually failed? How do we know the update failed? How do we update the information in the app? How do we notify the user the next time they open the app and their avatar is the old avatar, that the reason that they see the old avatar is because their update failed? And all these different scenarios that the client probably hasn't thought of because all they've thought of is if we remove the spinner, it looks faster. So that's another scenario where a good developer would definitely push back and say, this is a bad idea, and again, you're not saying no, but you want to present all the information so that when it comes around to making that decision, if they decide to go ahead, at least the client understands this is what the problems are going to be introduced from doing this change. And just a final example on the idea of pushing back against what a client tells you to do or asks you to do is another real life situation that I came across recently was there's an app that obviously, connect, that obviously communicates with the backend and the backend doesn't do something with a piece of data that it's supposed to do. So the client's solution to this, because they didn't have the resources to get somebody to work on the back end to implement this feature, was build it on the front end. And, you know, in terms of NDAs and stuff, I can't tell you exactly what it was, but roughly speaking, let's just say that the client wants a user to be ver- become verified after 10 days, Right. But the back end doesn't verify the user after 10 days and they don't have a developer right now to be able to implement that because they're busy doing other things. So they want to do it on the front end. So they they then create a ticket that says, on the front end, check every user that you're displaying and if the user was created more than 10 days ago, then show a verified tick. Now, most things like this are not a good idea because essentially what you're doing is you're faking on the front end data that isn't present. Because if the... If the backend ever implements this feature, the code that you've just written now is to be ripped out. If the backend never implements this feature, and you know, six months down the line, there's a whole bunch of new developers working on this app, and the client says to them, why are all these users verified? It might not be very easy in the app to see, oh, the users are verified because they're older than 10 days. And generally speaking, faking data on the front end because the backend doesn't do what you want it to do is a really big issue, primarily because down the line, the code's going to look super messy. It's not going to be understandable why it does the things that it does, especially depending on how it's implemented, where, you know, you might ask for a user object from the database and it comes back with verified true, and you think that came from the back end, but actually somewhere else in another piece of code that's checking it, and before it gets to you, it's changing that verified flag on. So There's a whole bunch of reasons why you don't want to do stuff like that. And so I had to explain to the client, that we can do exactly what you want us to do, but it's a really bad idea because of these five things. What would you like us to do? And they were like, okay, just leave it. We'll implement it on the back end at a future date. So that would be another prime example of pushing back on something that a client wants you to do. And then moving on from that, I think something that developers, and this probably comes with experience, but some of it doesn't, don't realize is that UX is also part of a good developer's job too. So just because you have a designer, you know, if you're an iOS developer or if you're an Android developer, you've probably been shown designs that have, you know, I've definitely been shown designs that are uh, that are Android designs with a whole bunch of iOS features in them. For example, having a close button on every single page, whereas on Android, you would have a back button and also you have a back button on the keyboard. So... You don't have to have a close button on every single page. It depends, you know, in terms of what the app is and the UX and stuff. So that's one thing that jumps out at me. Again, another thing that I see a lot, and I think this goes both ways, for example, especially for clients that don't know the nuances, because most clients, it's even designers, they know iOS or they know Android, they don't generally know both. So you get asked to do things like, oh, on iOS, can you add toast messages? Because that's what we do on Android. Whereas, obviously, that's not a thing on iOS. And on Android, you get asked to add pop-ups everywhere when we should be using Toast. And these are all things that, as a good developer, you should be able to go back to the designer or to the client and say, this is a bad idea because, you know, users on iOS expect this, not this. Users on Android expect this and not this. And so that UX aspect is definitely part of being a good developer And also it goes over to things like what I mentioned earlier, hiding spinners to make things look fast is a really bad idea in terms of UX. So just because the client suggests it, another aspect of explaining that to them is that it's not good user experience. Something I see a lot is designs that have the bottom navigation on every single page. So you might be five, you know, pages or screens deep into an app and they still want you to see that same bottom navigation that you see when you're on the home screen, which is just not a good user experience It gets really confusing, you know, what happens if I press one of these tabs to all the pages that I've gone through now, are all of them closed, are they all still there, how does this work? So that's something as a developer you want to be saying, this is not good UX, this is what you would expect from good UX. And the key thing here is you want to suggest alternatives, you want to explain it is a bad idea because this, and if the client decides to push on with it or if the designer's like, I don't care, I want to do this, then fine but you want to explain why it's a bad idea so they can make an informed decision because you ha- like you have UX designers who understand UX but there are also nuances to a platform that you have way more experience in than they might. And so these are definitely things to point out because your expertise stretches a lot further than just code. Another thing I want to talk about that definitely separates an okay developer from a great developer is giving accurate estimations. And again, I've seen this a lot where you have not very good developers, you know, okay developers And the client comes to them and says, you know, we have one month to implement these three features. And those OK developers will be like, right, that's fine. We'll get it done in a month. No problem. And the end of the month will come and the month will go and they won't have delivered the project or they'll deliver it with a bunch of missing parts of those features because it wasn't realistic. You know, you looked at that. You could look at those features and you could say it will take three months to implement. And an OK developer will take the timeline that the client offers them because they want the money and not deliver And a good developer will say up front, actually, no, this is going to take three months to develop. So if you don't have three months and then you work with the client to see what's possible, right? We could build this feature in a month and half of this feature, or we could build some of the key components of all the features, but you will miss out on a bunch of this stuff and you come to an agreement of what do you think is possible. So giving accurate estimations is a huge part of being a good developer. And then the final thing that I want to talk about is helping the client make informed technical decisions. Now, I spoke about this in another episode a couple of weeks ago, but something that I've realized recently is that, okay, developers, and these, these are just two scenarios, but there's a whole bunch of different use cases, but okay, developers will go out and they'll learn new things and they'll want to put it straight into the app. So they go out and they learn, you know, Jetpack Compose, or they learn RxJava or RxSwift, And straight away, they want to go and put it into the app. And they might have a ticket to build a feature. And they decide, I'm going to build that feature using RxSwift. It's not used anywhere else in the app. Nobody else on the team knows RxSwift. This is just an example. I know RxSwift is not super current, but this is just for example purposes. And they decide to put it in the app. That is what an OK developer would do. Or an OK developer would go and learn something new and then come in on Monday And be like, this is so cool. We need to put it in the app and be very heavily advocating for this thing. We should do it because, and usually because it's cool or because it's the future not because it provides any business benefit or because it's going to speed up or help anything that we actually do in development. Whereas great developers might go away and learn something new and then they'll come back and they'll discuss it and be like, I learned this thing. I think it's really efficient. I think it's really neat. I think these are a bunch of reasons why we should think about using it. And then put it to the team that you're working on and vote. This is what I've done before. And I've had I've led teams where people who are senior developers on the team or even junior developers on the team will come into a meeting and be like, I saw this thing over the weekend. It looks really cool. What do you guys think about this? Do you think we should use it? And then we can vote and say yes or no. That is what a good developer would do. And another thing that I've seen recently, which I find super frustrating because it puts your ability to code at a detriment, is having developers run technical decisions by the project manager or the project owner or who whoever it is that is running that project that they shouldn't be a part of. So for example, right, okay, developers are afraid to get in trouble for things. Okay, developers are afraid that they might do something wrong, which is why when the client says, you know, can you do this? They just say yes, they don't question it. And what that can result in is you have a developer and an example would be switching dependency injection framework right so an okay developer goes to a project manager and says the team wants to switch from dagger 2 to coin what do you think about that now i've been in a situation like this and the thing is the project manager or the manager like whoever whoever's managing that project mostly is not technical so they can't even comprehend the difference between dagger and coin and why that's a good idea or why it's not a good idea and so they don't understand what you're asking them So their default response is probably going to be no, you know, no, I don't think we should do that. I think it's a bad idea or, you know, what business value does it provide? Okay, well, it doesn't provide any business value that you can present to them outside of the code and they'll be like, well, everything already works. So no, let's not do that. So okay, developers will run those technical decisions by a project manager when they shouldn't Whereas a good developer will make a team decision. So they will think, right, I think we should switch to coin because it's much easier to implement. We've got a bunch of junior developers on the team who aren't experienced in Dagger, so this will be easier for them to use. It will make the app much cleaner. It will make it easier to refactor a whole bunch of stuff, whatever the case may be. And then they will run it by the team that they're working on. And as long as everybody's on board with the decision, they can go ahead and make make that happen. And if it's going to take a long time, they can just tell... The project manager, listen, we're going to switch from Dagger to Coin. These are the reasons that we've decided to do it. Here's the plan of how we're going to do it. So every time we implement a new feature, any of that stuff that's still Dagger is going to get refactored to Coin. And eventually, you know, in six months time, we'll all be based on Coin. And it takes that decision away from somebody who's not technical. It's made by somebody who is technical. You've given them the roadmap of how you're going to implement that thing. And so they feel much more comfortable about that decision. And it's a no brainer. And I can't tell you how frustrating it is when you want to do something as a developer, but somebody else on the team has taken that to a project manager or a project owner who doesn't really understand what they're being asked and have now been told no. And so now you have to either go back and argue against their no decision, or you just can't do what it is that you wanted to do, which would be better for the app because an okay developer has taken that decision out of your hands when it shouldn't have been. So those are just a few things that I could think about from the top of my head which separates an okay developer from a great developer and things that if you're a junior or mid-level developer and you want to level up then these are things that you should be paying attention to and if you are a senior or lead developer then hopefully all of these things are things that you already know and you agree with me but if you don't agree with me or if there's major things that you think i've missed or got wrong then i would love to hear your thoughts on this episode you can hit me up on twitter at low carb Rob. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. And thank you to everyone who provided feedback on last week's episode with Vasily Zukhanov. If you haven't checked that out, go and check it out. It was a really good one. And I'll be back with another guest next week on the next episode of the Coffee and Coding Podcast and that's it for this episode thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend or fellow developer and if you really want to support the show you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate and if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice thanks for listening and i'll catch you on the next episode of the coffee encoding podcast